Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri, psychic medium and good witch, and welcome to The Witching Hour. It's a new week. It's been really hot here in Los Angeles, a bit of a heat wave. And for a heat wave, why not go down under? I'm going to bring you today my favorite Aussie witch, the beautiful and famous, I have followed her and loved her for years, Fiona Horn. Yep author of 14 books, amazing speaker, amazing witch, amazing magician, and my new BFF, or BWF, BWF, best witch friend. <laughs> anyway, but before I get to her, I was going to catch you up on the week. Just got back from Las Vegas and the Dragon Ball of Babylon. It was really great. And I've been filming also this week with my TFIL boys, really fun stuff. We actually got to spend the entire night on the Queen Mary in Long Beach, one of the most haunted places in the world, this huge ship that holds thousands and thousands of people, and there were eight of us, eight of us on the ship. We had all thousand guest rooms to ourselves, the ballrooms, the engine rooms, and lots of ghosts. So that should be out soon with Elton and the guys. I just love when I get to work with them. And Linda the Ghost Hunter, she was there too. They always keep us like dancing between each other. One of these days they'll really put us together. And another really great thing we just did for TFIL's new overnight channel where all things paranormal and spooky, we just did our first educational video. So that will be out soon too. Where do you see what Corey can do? for all you TFIL fans. So follow them on YouTube and probably everywhere else. I'm actually getting ready next week to go all the way upstate to Hotel Leger. I can never say it right, but Mokaloni Hill, Molokoloni Hill. Anyway, one of the most haunted old hotels, old mining towns anywhere. And I'm going to be doing a live stream with the Spirit Realm Network. So you guys can be there with me kind of virtually as we do it real time, amazing camera setups, like the same cameras actually they have for sporting events. So information on that will be at spiritrealm.net, spiritrealm.net. Um, go to events and see all sorts of things that we're going to be doing next Monday, a week from tonight. Okay. One of my favorite parts of the show. It's time for the Willow update. Yes, this devil dog, as of last week, she was the devil. This week, she's a little sweeter. And she's hit six pounds, six solid pounds of crazy, beautiful dachshund. I think the thing this week is we're starting actually a little bit of training and discipline. She's a little young for a lot of things, but she has to learn certain things like not running out of the front door when somebody opens it or running under the fence when you're outside. So um, no wasn't working. So we learned a thing called the no can. Ha, huh, who knew? You take an old can, I'm a, I'm a teacher. You take an old can and you put some coins in it and you shake it and you say no and they stop. It's a different kind of magic. And so then you say it with the no and then soon you could lose the no can. Oh, oh, Willow. oh she's all wiggly. She's been attacking my uh, 18 year old cat, Larry. She's definitely gonna keep him young if she doesn't give him a heart attack. Um, <laughs> anyway, this is the Willow report. She definitely wants down. What do you have to say, Willow? Can you say that again? Who's there? Who's there? Willow, look up. She's pretty good on camera. Not today. She's, oh, there we go. Willow, there's your audience. Yes. <laughs> Everybody needs a puppy.
Today, it's a super long interview because Fiona is so magical and amazing, and it was just a love fest. I totally like gushed and fangirled out all over her, and it's so great to get to really work with somebody that you so admire and you so respect. Where do you see Fiona? But our lesson for today, we're going to talk about puppets. A few episodes ago, J.D. Walker, when she was on my show, she talked about puppets. So today we are going to talk about puppets and how to make your own puppet. What is a puppet, you ask? Well, it's actually a little doll. It looks like a little gingerbread doll representing you or representing a friend so long as you have their permission. You cut it out of felt or any old material and it's got a little round head and it's got little legs and little arms. Um, very simply done. Again, for those of you who can't see, it looks just like a gingerbread man to me, but maybe you stuff some jelly in it, but you don't stuff jelly in it. You're going to stuff moss and herbs and oils and stones and crystals and all sorts of magical things. A puppet does. They've been used forever and forever throughout history. Um, as far as recorded history, archaeologists finding it in ancient Egypt and ancient Greece and Rome, where you would use these effigies to represent people. So I suggest making one for yourself. And I suggest only doing one in positive magic, because you know my thoughts on good magic versus bad magic. Whatever you do, that's the world you have to live in. But it's really good for things like taking care of yourself, for money, for health, for love. Make yourself a little effigy representation of yourself. It's really easy. Um, Remember, it's all about intent. So you could use lots of different things. You could use old T-shirts. You could use rags. But what I almost always use is simple felt at the, the drugstore. You get a simple felt. You're going to cut yourself out a little person, a little person. Um, you're going to start sewing it together. Usually red thread is, uh, for some reason, I guess red is magical. We use red for a lot of things. Using red powder what red thread and then you start stuffing it with moss and all sorts of magical things this is actually some moss i got from the beautiful bloody mary in new orleans she brought it from the swamps of new orleans for this particular doll i use it for very special things so you might want you're going to start stuffing it stuffing it into the thing you're making yourself your own poppet. I usually write, I haven't done it on this one yet, my name on the back. If it's me, it's Patty Negri. I'll put little dot eyes, almost like you're making a snowman or a gingerbread man. So then you've got your poppet made. I often will put in a little crystal or a little stone, like a little piece of coral represents the heart, right in the heart. If you're having specific issues, you, all sorts of magical things you want to do. So now you have this little doll in whatever state. You finish it. You seal it off. Now you have to bring it to life. Now, now many of you out there have dragons, and you know how you bring dragons to life. You bring puppets to life the exact same way. You want to say, okay, this is me. This is represent. It's not me. It's representing me. And so you're going to literally charge it, hold it between your hands. You're going to send energy to it. This is an effigy. This beautiful puppet is going to represent me for healing, for love, for peace, and for protection. Just like we do with so many magical things, you're going to breathe your life into it. Your breath is your life force. It's your pneuma. The moisture in your breath is your free will. So here's your little poppet that you've made for yourself. And you can make them for other people. Always just have their permission as with everything. If you want to do it in specific colors, um, you could do all the normal colors, uh, black, 
is really good for banishing things. Again, it doesn't mean you're going to do anything negative. It means you're going to get rid of something negative. Uh, for creativity, you might want to use orange or yellow or some put some symbols on it, like fire symbols or sun symbols, or you put some carnelian inside of it or some sunflower leaves that have dried out. For healing, I usually use silver or white or blue or different healing colors. Green also work with, with, with healing. For love, hmm, pink. Maybe you want to put a lot of, a little bit of um, uh, pink rose quartz inside of it. Um, red, hearts, put hearts on it. Draw a heart right on it. Uh, for money, use silver or use gold or use green or whatever means money to you. Um, mint is really good to put stuff inside. Basil, cinnamon, because cinnamon's that fire element. Citrine, just like you're doing a regular spell and you're mixing it in your mortar and pestle or you're burning your herbs in your little cauldron, those are the same stuff you're putting into your poppet. Protection is really good using blacks and grays and dark blue, putting seals and shields like one of my favorite one, the Helm of Awe, that eight-sided cross, that Scandinavian Norwegian one. You might want to put that. Here's your protection poppet. So they're really good. Now you have your beautiful little poppet and you've created it. You've breathed life into it. And now what do you see these things that have little pins in it? What is that about, you say? Is that a voodoo doll? No, it's not a voodoo doll. What if I had a headache? Again, this isn't finished yet, this one. I should have brought a finished one. Anyway, what if I have a headache? I'm going to stick a little pin in my head. It's not going to poke your head in my head. It's going to help send circulation and energy there. Um, again, same thing if you're doing love. You want to put this into the heart, not in a negative way. Think of it as acupuncture for your poppet. And one of my favorite things, too, ah, you know, the little pins like this one with different colors, you could get them wherever you buy pins. So, again, working with the color scheme, red ones, yellow ones, green ones, blue ones. So the color of pin you're energizing your poppet with goes right into it. There's no hard and fast rules. You could use corn husks. You could use sticks inside it. You could put you put some wax into it from magical candles you've used. Um Again, herbs, crystals, leftover spell candle wax, like I just said, magical dirt. You want some grounding. You want some earth element. Put it in here. Seeds. You want to grow something. Stick some seeds. Put some bird seeds in there. Just don't leave it out for the birds. <laughs> um, glitter. If you want to attract things, glitter always attracts. See, this is where I've been sewing it with my little needle. Glitter, just like when you put a little bit of glitter on candles, it attracts the energy in. So then you have this beautiful little poppet. And again, work with it however you need to. And it is a representation of you. You put it on your altar or you tuck it away somewhere. Don't let anybody get a hold of it. This is your little special doll. Now, when you want to get rid of a poppet, maybe it's done all the work it needs. Um, usually you you take it apart, you kind of rip it apart, take it apart, and you state to the poppet, I do not need you anymore. Thank you for all the good work you've done. Thank you for the health you've brought me. Thank you for the love you've helped represent for me. Thank you, thank you for this. And either take it apart in pieces. If you're using safe material to burn, you can burn it. If you're using safe for the environment material, which I think most of this is, a felt is about as bad as it gets, you can bury it. Otherwise, you can even cut it up into pieces and toss it out. But just make sure you thank the energy that you've created. Because remember, what you're creating is a spirit. You're helping this spirit represent your spirit, just like what we do with 
fetishes and our dragons and our fairies and everything else. So don't be scared next time you see one of these because maybe it's the one you are making for yourself or your friend with their permission. Thank you so much and happy magic. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce you or reintroduce you to my new BWF, the beautiful, the amazing rock star, author, kick butt witch, author of 14 books, Fiona Horn. Hi, Fiona. <laughs> Patty, thank you. I think the only person that could rival that kind of introduction is you. If I was <laughs> going to interview you and your career and your life, that's next level thank you <laughs> you're very welcome but no honestly i was so excited to have you on because i i mean you got into this witchy i mean i was into this witchy world but you got famous in this witchy world before me and i'm like yes and people always think oh how can you do this and that and the other thing i'm kindergarten compared to you but but that's the passion for life isn't that what it is isn't that the whole craft witchcraft it's that passion for life and jumping in the pool Oh, I'm jumping in the pool. Goosebumps, and it makes my heart pound as you say that because it's so true. Witchcraft, magic, the art of transformation, living your best magical life. That's what being a witch is. And I, I love to sort of consider at this point as I've lived on the planet more than half a century, you know, I'm coming up to my birthday soon. And it's like I'm, I look at these linear years that pass and I think being a witch is also the practice of maybe considering you don't have to grow older, you can grow better at living. And yeah. as you grow better at living, you can offer that, that wisdom and that perspective as an individual human to others, but as a witch in acts of specific service and intentional service through all your creative endeavours, whether it's music, writing, TV, if you can sort of understand that the witch is a healer, is here to help and heal and serve, because that's the very roots, core roots of our um, our foundation of our craft, then um, life really can, even when times are super tough, life can still be appreciated, valued, and actually get better and better because you get, I guess, more grateful for the difficult times because yeah. you learn so much and you can carve out a more authentic path as a witch and also as a as a human. So. As I love a human, it. I love being a witch. I, it's a good time to be a witch. I love it. And the hard times, I mean, easy is way too overrated to have easy life. I mean, I guess that's great for some people, but all the good stuff happens outside of that. Yes, there's going to be struggle. Yes, there's going to be up against the wall and, and, and falling down, but it that's life. And again, that's why I've always been so into you and the music, and you include. Let's go into your music before we even go into your book, because you have a new band now, Sea Witch. Music, well, not music itself, but sound, chants, and music is a big part of my work and my work in the craft. And tell us a little bit about your new band. Aren't you including, like, chants and magic and spell working? Yes, absolutely. You know, if I if I even track back to, you know, in the 90s when I started in Deaf Effects, you know, you mentioned that in your very generous introduction of me. And even then I was writing song lyrics that I, I actually hadn't come out of the broom closet, so to speak, and written books about witchcraft. But I'd been practicing witchcraft for years. The band got successful in the 90s. So every song um, had magical lyrics. Even a song back in those days, I wrote a song called The Spiral Dance. And in the chorus, it was 
the wise witch wove her dreams, spinning coiled ropes of silver that wound around the trees. I mean, I was weaving this esoteric content into this mainstream rock band's lyrics. But with Sea Witch coming now full circle, you know, out of the airplane and back on a broomstick with a guitar in my hand, Sea Witch's lyrics are even more intentional than that. Um, I actually have used lyrics or created lyrics from the rituals and chants and intentional spell castings that I offer in my, actually in my new book, in the Teen Magic book that I know we'll talk about. So some of those actual spells are featured in the songs, plus just my good old book of shadows. I mean, I know you know, Patty, as an author yourself, we have um, the job of writing a book, but then there's always our handwritten records and even now these days typewritten records, but nothing works magic like the hand, the paper, almost sigil aspect of actually writing letters and communicating things and, and storing your archival, I guess, occult knowledge and experience in that way, in that form. So for Sea Witch, I went back through my book of shadows, my shoeboxes of notes of old little scripts from spells and rituals and things, and I wove them into these songs. And to do that in the setting of a you know, pretty heavy rock band um, that has that very deep, uh, organic, intentional, you know, beat and, and, and uh, I mean, the music grabs you. And I know it's all conceptual until you hear the songs, but the goal of it was to really literally put spells and transformational energies into each song in a rock band. And that's what we're doing. And our, our first uh, debut EP comes out on vinyl on June 26th. So pretty soon, depending on, I know we're chatting now, where, when in the ether we end up going out there into the world, June 26th is an important day for Sea Witch and it drops digitally around the world as well on the same day. That is beautiful because music does that anyway. Any rock concert, any country concert, any other concert you go to, everyone gets enraptured by it. It is the sound. It is the music. It is the words. So why not put it into something that is so magical and intentional as, as a spell working or a spell craft? That's, duh, that is fabulous. So do you find a lot of people find magic this back doorway that people listening to your words and stuff are like, hmm. That's super interesting that you put it in that context because, again, because we can talk about the, the body of work over the last 30 years and definitely, absolutely, in your brilliant psychic way, you've picked up on a key thing. When Death Effects, back in the 90s, in 91 we formed, when we started charting and doing really well, when we were flown to New York and signed to RCA BMG and those big offices on whatever street, some massive street, Fifth Avenue, whatever, <laughs> there was a big bust of Elvis in the in the hallway that's what I remember and we go in and we're signed to this massive record company in America and you know our songs are on high rotation on MTV in America when they played music videos you know like all that kind of stuff I remember um, yeah you know those days 90s were an amazing time for music an amazing time to be an, an emerging musician on a world scene you know on a world scale but what what was happening then was um I obviously didn't say, hi, I'm Fiona the Witch. I was like, oh, hi, I'm Fiona the lead singer from Deaf Effects. And then everyone would listen to my witchy lyrics. And you're absolutely right. There was this this awareness, this bubble, this uh, kind of this, when I say bubble, I just mean like this floating awareness of, oh, well, that's interesting. And, oh, that's, you know, and I'd have girls, especially girls, a lot of girls asking me about it. You know, when I do meet and greets or even emails I would receive. I mean, it was it wasn't even emails when we started. I had a message board on my website. People would leave up messages and stuff, you know, way pre-social media and smartphones and all that. But people were asking about it. You're absolutely right. So when the band broke up in 1997, 
random house came to me and uh, they said, we think a rock star writing a book about witchcraft, because we've heard you're a witch, would um, sell a few copies. They literally approached it like that. <laughs> I thought about it and thought I would, it was kind of a bit nerve wracking because back then I was still, if you came out as a, as a witch, the first question was, oh, are you a Satanist? Are you a devil right. worshiper? Are you a good witch or a bad witch? And they would always lean to the bad, you know, and do you hex people? Those questions were ubiquitous back then. We're talking 1997. So I was kind of a bit like, I don't know if I want to be on the front line of this, but in spirit, in meditation, you know, when, when spirit came to me and said, Fiona, this is actually what you're meant to do. You need to say yes. And so I did. Now, as a young woman, as a, you know, back in those days, the C word, I was a celebrity. I really was. I was on every magazine cover, on every TV show. Um, it was like that. To then come out as a witch, say, oh, by the way, all this time, I've actually, I'm a witch, and all those songs actually mean, you know, they're real to me, and they're part of my spiritual practice, my path. Um, it was, it was a lot, and that went on for a number of years. So, but it did, they did all. It, it was meant to be this way. I was meant to do music that, as you say, brought people together with a sense of what's possible in the world. How I feel transformed listening. I'm listening to the lyrics. I'm understanding there's another layer of transformation that could occur. And then it allowed me to start writing books. And that's, and he, yeah, 14 books yeah. long, here I am. And I'm doing music again and kind of come full circle. But it's, full circle. it's intentional. We do a lot of circle work as witches. <laughs> but no, I see that because that's one of my... So <laughs> One of my gifts is I actually see energy. I see the lines. I see the energy and what causes what. And and even going through and looking at some of your stuff, and I went, oh, look at what this is doing. If it's you know, there's a crowd of a billion people and little light bulbs going off. They're listening to the world. They're seeing this beautiful girl. Little light bulbs. Oh, there's something different. I kind of do the same thing with with bad TV shows. Not the ones I'm on now, but like you know, you're doing a bad girls club or something like that. And it's like, yeah. wait, what is this philosophy or thought pattern? Or this, it, it, a hope, a possibility, something to, to take your power, to take your power. And and that's what I saw in your work um, in, in really looking back at your music. So I'm thrilled you've gone full circle. I'm going to be the first to buy your album. Thank you. Thank you. You know, Patty, when you just said then um, about the light bulbs popping up, it really gave me goosebumps because I, I don't think this is too much of a segue, but last year being the extraordinary year that it was, 2020, the year of the lockdowns and the various things that went on, um, and I I'll, all I'll say is at one point in the process of changing from where I was living to where I'm now and, and that coming that full circle, there was two weeks that I was in a hotel in a sealed room with no windows that could open um, and, you know, I was in lockdown. I was in quarantine in a hotel and that was because I was attempting to re-enter Australia uh, in a time of, of you know, of absolute crisis. So I was very grateful that the government created a situation where I could come to Australia and go into lockdown. But I thought at first I thought like I how am I going to make this time in this room? I mean I'm a I'm not only a, a, a witch because uh, I love and venerate nature. I'm actually really an outdoorsy girl too. I love being outside and in different in, and enjoying the elements outside and and here I'm going to be locked in a sealed room that I can't even open the window. So I did a lot of meditation and a lot of um ritual work ahead of going into the space to think about how could I use this in a useful way. 
So I developed a devotional practice of meditation every morning, just got up at 5 a.m. I had my mala beads, my meditation, my yoga, and I was getting these really big messages from spirit. And as a witch, uh, this is how I interpreted one of them. And when you talk about the light bulbs popping up over people's heads, spirit told me, and spirit, I use that term as the higher power of my understanding that speaks to me in a, in a kind of a language of, of sound and vision that I can understand and communicate back in human words, you know, in English. Um, spirit showed me that what's going on in the world right now, as challenged as it is, is there is a, it's a time for reflection on what it is to be human. And because I would sit in the meditational pose of like a, a, the seated asana to sit and meditate, I saw, I shot out of my body and I looked down and I saw myself sitting and meditating and I saw that I was light and there, and there was like an orb of light over me and this light was condensed in this particular light here. It looked a bit like a star, like you might see a very bright star at night. It kind of looked like that. And then I realized I'm rushing with goosebumps now, which probably I am happen. too. <laughs> well, it's like the other side of this physical world and so connected, which is just what I love about being alive. It's so magical. Um, but I saw at the same time, all of a sudden, I went from just outside looking at me to outside looking at the whole globe, the, our whole beautiful blue planet, and all the humans that were in that same state. Now, that didn't mean they needed to be sitting meditating officially. But whatever activity they were doing was generating that star of themselves, of their mm -hmm. energy, and of the portal that their physical form is, you know, for spirit. And I saw as it all was everywhere around the world, all at once looks like that. And I see all the lights and I realized it all looks like stars. It actually, and then the earth, the globe image I saw dispersed. And I saw this new constellation created. Like we would look to Orion or the Scorpion or, you know, this was a new constellation of stars. And just like the navigators of old in the ships that went across and navigated by the stars or the very early aviators who, like Amelia Earhart, who looked to the stars for guidance across when she sailed across the oceans or flew, excuse me, across the oceans. This new map was going to guide humanity through these times. And I found it in, in this very rigid, restricted environment of lockdown and so much fear and uncertainty as, as, as this pandemic was, was you know, emerging in our lives was it was very reassuring that there is a there is a way through this and it's a it's, a, it's intentional and it's actually very beautiful and it can bring us back to what it really means to be human and what it means to be in you know divine connection in that high power of, of the individual's understanding because spirit says that tells me that uh, every spiritual path every religion even is an instrument. And when they play together, they become a symphony, a symphony of the soul. And that is the voice of spirit. And so it's all it's all meant to be. And and interestingly, it's it's music, it's that symphony of the soul, as everyone just plays their instruments. Yeah. And we create this new map to guide us through these times of of inspired consciousness. That is about the most beautiful explanation of that I have heard. And I've heard some good ones That's, with the light, with the light, with turning it into the stars. Because I, I've always said it was to be a wake-up call. It had to be spirit. And I use the term spirit, too, because God, universe, whatever, spirit. Um, 
uh, it's like it was like wake up you guys wake up you're asleep wake up no and we had to get hit on the head with the two by four yours is much more of it go to your room and stay there until you figure out what is important um but i like your technology of the lights over the head and stars much better but thank you for that and i i agree 100 that that's what this is it we are going through a huge shift and we had to go through this or we would not have made it happen I mean, it would just not, it would have been a whole different thing had this not happened, this shift. So, (sighs) and then people are discovering the craft even more so because when things get weird, people find, look for, for answers outside them, what they know. So many religions aren't keeping up with people. People are discovering the craft and witchcraft. And again, that is where you have been so integral, um, in making it palpable for people, approachable for people, not scary, not Satanist. We don't eat babies. And it, and it's, and yours isn't even so, it's not that early 70s, like you don't have to be the earth goddess, you know, flowing around like this. It's it's life. And, and reading your teen book today, every page, I was just blown away. You make it so doable, so approachable. So, and you have a bell. If you don't have a bell, you clap your hand. If you don't have, it's just like, oh, and, and, you're teaching these young people, these young girls and men and boys to, to take their power back. I love that. I actually have um, the book here. I'll hold it up. I think, can you see it there? Yes. Hold it in front of you. Please yeah, hold, I, hold I, it up. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to create, create this book because um, when I first wrote a book for young people, like young in linear human years, but also maybe people who are new to the craft, you know, there's a lot of foundational practices. When I first put a book like this together, it was nearly 20 years ago. It was about 17 years ago. And back then I called it Life's a Witch, came out as Witchin in America. And then my publishers said, um, would you like to revisit the material? And they kind of thought it would just be like a little bit of a top, top and tail change a few little things I rewrote the entire book pretty much except for the spells a lot of the core uh a lot of the spells in here are the same but there's new ones as well that especially reflect some of the lyrical content we were talking about earlier um of my new band Sea Witch but the to revisit the material and talk about teen life or new to the craft life now um there was no social media back in the early 2000s there was no there were no smartphones other than Blackberry and only business people had those uh, also, gender fluidity, um, even you could use the term the rainbow witch, uh, gender identity, how do all these aspects that resonate so powerfully in young people's lives, environmental crisis that everyone's aware of, um, how do how does that resonate in people's lives now and what can modern witches do about it? And I've been so grateful that this book has been so well received by not only young people in linear years, the baby they call themselves baby witches now, they're claiming that term and empowering themselves with it, the baby witches the teen witches or witches who have been on the path for a while and enjoy revisiting their foundational practices here, but also parents, caretakers, guidance counsellors have said this book is great because there is a huge wave of young witches in the world and sometimes we don't know how to answer the questions they're asking. Um, You know, it's been a very, um, very uh, humbling and also very wonderful opportunity to do this book. And to have the incredible feedback I've had from around the world from people who found it useful and helpful. And I think that's where in my life now, having come back to writing, I didn't expect that I would have this opportunity. I I left my entertainment career, which also meant writing (laughs) books, which is part of that publishing, you know, servicing others with, with content like that. I left it to go and fly airplanes in the Caribbean and do humanitarian work. And I ultimately ended up 
working as an on-demand charter pilot along with all the humanitarian work. But I never thought I'd come back to writing and then to have these uh, opportunities to create these things that um, for people now, having done it, you know, back in 1997 for the first time and to see how things have changed. I, I can say now, Patty, no one ever asked me if I'm a good witch or a bad witch anymore. No one ever asked me if I'm a Satanist. Back then, you know, this actually, if I can show you another book I have here on my table. Please. This book was my first one that came out in America. In like It, was, it actually was published in 2000 in America and it was coming out. It's a combination of my first two books in Australia um, that came out in uh, 90, 97, 98. Um, but this one came out in America in 2000. And it, it's been published recently, republished in its 20th anniversary edition. And I thought by HarperCollins, and I thought, oh, my gosh, like, back then, could I have ever imagined? I'm a young woman out of a rock band, like, yeah, rah, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm writing about witchcrafters, yeah, you know, this is me, and it's cool, and, you know, screw you all, I'm a witch. You know, I had this very kind of intense attitude about it. Um, to have it come full circle in a 20th anniversary edition and still be useful, and then to have opportunities to do this one, and then... A couple of years ago, this one, my manifesto, the art of which, and then an oracle deck, and 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 I can and my autobiography, I can bring that up too. And there's a hundred other books down here that well, not a hundred, but just about seven. And 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 two, bring it up. I'm just again, I'm just blown away. That do you do you sleep? I don't sleep, but you are so much more productive than I am. <laughs> well, well, I think I think the, the idea of being productive, um, I can candidly say that when I went to the Caribbean and I was flying planes during the day and writing books at night, that that was it. I I really my whole life was that. And um, you know, you you touched on earlier in my bio that I moved to, back to Australia for love. So for all those years, I was a, a solo operator in the world pretty much, you know, like healing from the end of a very, very sad relationship in uh, 2011. It was, was, it was a huge rebirth for me, extremely painful. The grief and the shock nearly killed me, but I made it through and I moved to the, I decided I have to redefine my life in the parameters of service. And that's why I decided to finish up my flight training, get my commercial certificates, go to the Caribbean. Do, I actually went to Africa did a bush flying course there and I was going to volunteer there but I um, realized that closer to home um, like hate countries like Haiti needed help and um, and so I thought well if I go and live in the Caribbean in the US Virgin Islands I can I have a US, US passport I've lived there for 20 years I by virtue of residency I have US citizenship now which I'm super grateful for and but I went to the US Caribbean and then I could fly the service work out from there but you know when the opportunity to write came again I would just do fly, 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 fly during the day. Um, I would do all my paperwork for my flights the next day, all my weight and balance sheets and my passenger manifest, check through all that. And then I'd write books about witchcraft, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and then go to sleep and then get up and do it again. And that was life, you know. Um, and now that I'm in a relationship, it's a really different thing because there's someone else's laundry in there. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> on top of it all, back to that. But I love um, that. You know, I just also thought at this point in my life that maybe my destiny was not to be partnered with another human um, and was to be that solo person in the world who's, um, you know, grateful for the sense of fulfilment. You know, like you can talk about loneliness sometimes. And I think I learned to, it, it took a long time to heal from the end of that relationship back in 2011 that was so brutal, but it jettisoned me into this whole new life. Um, 
And then I learned that there's lots of different types of love. There's the love of animals, the love of children, the love of sisterhood and girlfriends and good male friends. And, you know, and my heart was full of love, I thought. I didn't need any other kind of, you know, intimate one-on-one personal significant other relationship. I, but I think the universe went, okay, she's worked it all out. She's healed. She's, she's helping others. She's, she's being a good witch. She's doing what I needed to do, spreading that good word, that good energy. Uh, so now I'm going to send someone to her from 30 years ago and see if she can do it all while she's partnered up with someone else. And if she can keep her act together then, then I'll really know she's learned all the lessons she's meant to learn. No. And so you I can see like it. You're in a relationship. It's a struggle sometimes. It, it, <laughs> oh, it is. It is. There's all of a sudden there's someone else. There's more laundry. Yes. But you could you could tell from your music together. I could have been watching your music. Like, oh, yeah. So, so. It is a love story. It is love. I'm grateful to be able to to share that too. Um, to know for people to know that um, in really difficult times, really good things can happen. Because David and I did reconnect. We dated 30 years ago and we were in bands back then. I was in a punk band called the Mother's All Girl Punk Band. He was in this really cool surf band called the Hellman. And we dated and life took us in different directions. And for us to come full circle, it took it took last year and, and the lockdowns and just everything. We reconnected over social media because everyone was online, weren't they? Like, you know, you're in your room, you're online. And David and I reconnected and we realised that there was a spark there maybe two stars that needed to come together. And so, um, and so we did, and everything's been so... When he got me, I mean, the journey of how he picked me up after I got the repatriation flight, two weeks in an isolation hotel on the other side of the country, then he had to drive from the west coast of Australia, which, you know, I mean, the whole of Europe can fit into the middle of Australia. This is a huge distance. He drove all the way from the west, west coast all the way to the east coast, um, which was a journey of three days in his troopy, to pick me up, his his white troopy. He was like, "I'm coming for you. I'm my I'm uh, your knight and my you know my white steed." And his big white troopy. He drove across the country because everything was locked down. There were no flights, so he had to apply to the government for approval for compassionate reasons to collect me from the hotel. And we saw each other for the first time physically, you know, in 30 years, and just did the the first thing that came naturally. And we we I walked up to him and just gave him a big kiss. I didn't know what was going to happen when I actually saw him in the flesh. But it was so good to see him. I mean, it was better. It was just next level, like a dream. And we kissed and we got in the car and we hightailed it back across the country with all our passes and approvals and checkpoints. And and then we went straight into his house here, where I am right now, on the west coast of Australia for two weeks lockdown, ISO to make sure we were all good, you know. Um, And we wrote a song a day and in our studio, which I'm sitting in now, and that became the Sea Witch album. And then we also, as you know, did Spiff and Fifi, a little love song duet, duet that we uh, duo we do as well. So we're a little prolific, but I guess you'd expect it because we were both doing music back then. And and David's always stayed doing music. Um, he's done other things, raised a family, raised three beautiful kids, um, and also has practiced as a successful naturopath for 30 years because we also met wow. and studied natural medicine. We're both in punk bands and studying natural medicine at college. And so we all, we, you know, he went on and did that for his life and his career. And I went off overseas and became a full time rock star. <laughs> but that's our story. I mean, you know, in, in, in really difficult times, really extraordinary good things can happen. But as we said earlier, it's not always easy. And and I think, you know, even when I think about, like, each time we came to a state border and we were waiting for those approvals, you know, and you're just like, are we going to be locked up again? We don't know. We're in our own country. 
and yet we're it's it's like a foreign land and extraordinary times. So so grateful. Um, and we made it here, and I'm getting to chat with with you about all these things that are <laughs> going on, you know. And I I hope that people learn, and like we talked about right at the start, that real magic is not as you and I know, and have probably said the same thing a million times. It's not special effects. It's not Hollywood tricks. It's something far more interesting and far more powerful and, and truly extraordinary than that. It's life. It's when you have the, the, the courage to, and the humility sometimes to rather than find all the reasons why something can't work, to just say, I trust you, universe. I'm literally, I know I'm, gonna, I'm making a sacrifice. I'm giving up my life in the Caribbean, my career as a pilot, everything that I've built for the last seven years to take this leap of faith into the unknown but I'm trusting that you're going to catch me and place me where I can be of most use in the world. And that's what's happened. That's what it is. That's why I, I jump in the pool. You jumped in the pool. And, okay, and that is a beautiful story. So if we have people listening, I mean, there are people who are curious, if not on the path or a path, a spiritual path of some sort, What would your, what is your best suggestions for somebody just getting started whether into the craft or just in their way of being or life, what would you, what would your what do you suggest? It's a really fantastic question. What do I suggest? Because straight away, my my thoughts go in two places. One is, are you doing it in your everyday life, tactile, like holding, touching things, candles, you know, or are you online on TikTok, which talk, mm. you know, for example. Where is your practice anchored? Is it practice? Is it anchored virtually, or is it anchored in actually going outside and doing things in nature, or a combination of both, or even neither? And you're just kind of, you know, wondering what it means. So I, I would say the best way to get started is to maybe consider a couple of really simple things. All witches, and there's so many different types of witches now. But we all honour nature as sacred. We all venerate our Mother Earth, Father Sky, however you want to kind of interpret it in a gender-specific way, maybe. It's not gender-specific. It's available to all. Um, it's spirit embodies everything. Nature is magical. And even a witch's altar, if anyone picked up a book, like your books, my, my books, they would see that we talk about having on the altar representations of the sacred elements, air, earth, fire, water. What are those four mm. things? Natural. Where did we get the idea to use them? From nature. So that straight away goes, oh, nature is sacred. So, okay, what can I do? Well, first and foremost, I would start thinking about how to tread lightly on the earth, to be more respectful and conscious of our natural earth, to uh, heal it and help it. And I think that's a really positive, constructive way to just think, okay, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take care of the earth. Best I can. No pressure, but I'm going to do that because then I'm creating a connection with it and it's going to fill me. The mother's going to, the spirit's going to fill me through nature and I'm going to feel it and that starts to empower your space. The next thing I would do is get that altar going like we just talked about, air, earth, fire, water. Why not create a little hot spot in your favourite room or in your garden or on your balcony if you're an urban witch in a city or whatever. Find somewhere that you can create a hub, like a kind of a portal that has representations of those four elements. And then remember that there is maybe considered a fifth element spirit and that's you mm -hmm. and your your interaction with it. So we could have a candle for fire. We could have incense for air maybe because you can see the smoke moving through the air. Oh. We can have a, 
uh, a crystal for Earth. Why not? Even though consider how uh, consciously harvested your crystals are. A lot of crystals now are byproducts of fracking and very destructive mining processes. So try to source your crystals ethically. Personally, I don't buy crystals anymore. I have a lot of respect for retailers now who trace where their crystals come from and only source them from ethic ethical sources and not as byproducts of those big mining mining industry, you know, things that split open the earth and pull out amethyst along with natural gas, you know. So try to be mindful and ethical. Maybe you have a crystal for earth. And then you might have a bowl of water for water with a touch of salt in it to represent the ocean, our mother, where, from where all life comes. And there you've kind of got four things going. Now, if you're a teenager and your mum says or your dad says or your caretaker says, no way am I going to leave you with a lit flame in your room, young lady, young man, young person, then you could have an unlit candle potentially um, that, uh, that shows the intention of fire. I actually love having matchboxes that are painted. This gorgeous one here, I don't know if you can see it. Um, this is very basically painted, but a lovely little six-year-old girl named Rose painted this matchbox for me. And wow. I believe with hearts and flowers. And I believe even just having a match and knowing that that's the intention to strike a flame and bring in the element of fire, that intentional comprehension can embody that element of fire on your altar. And then if you're not allowed to burn incense, a feather. I have a few in my cap right here that I found yep. uh, walking around and I believe when a feather drops from a bird it's a gift or a sign from me so I pop it in my cap and I, I determine what wisdom's coming through. So um, that's an example, Patty. I mean, you know, I talk a lot as you probably know but it's like really it's all very simple. The biggest, the biggest way I could condense it back in is to say whether you're online, whether you're in real life, try to do something that's tangible um, that you can put your hands on and not just scroll with your thumb through something on Insta TikTok or Instagram. Yes. Try to do something tactile that allows you to, because it's a craft, which craft. So get hands on with it, breathe it in, smell it in, feel it, share it with others. And then once you've created that little hotspot um, altar, then you can start thinking about what spells you might want to do. You might want to light that candle and that incense and read your magical book. You might read one of my books, what your book to start learning and trust the learning process and trust that the universe spirit, as you open to it and you start to learn the language of magic, then the world becomes very magical and these opportunities will come to you and nothing's by chance anymore. You understand that everything's in this beautiful serendipitous order if you just allow yourself to think that anything is possible and then indeed yeah. it is. Yeah. Get out of your own way. Allow spirit. Oh, um and again, we are so much the same as I am there. Get outside, sit by a tree, put your spine along the trunk of a tree. When's the last time you, you were by a tree? You know, follow the moon, look at the moon, the real moon, not just the moon on your iPhone. It's like, follow the cycles, little things, is getting back in touch. We are on earth now. We are these beautiful heavenly earthly beings but again it's it's waking up so i love that that's why i was so loving your book and you deal with everything for the teens you you get into social media and you get into sex and you get into parents and you get into the, the, everything that we need to get into and people just don't get into so um thank well, you with the book thank you patty i, I yeah. think with the book as well um there's also a lot of, uh, I was very lucky and grateful that teenagers themselves and young people themselves wrote for me and gave the sections of the book where it's their poetry, their ideas, their questions with me having an opportunity to answer. So I'm really grateful that I was able to, and that my publishers agreed to allow a good two chapters of content from 
the young people out there now um, talking about what they want to talk about, addressing things as they want to address them and um, sharing their thoughts and even some spells and rituals. So there's there's that side of it as well in the book that I feel really, um, really, really happy that, that it could reflect that intentional in input from the actual teenagers themselves. Yeah. You know? um, I, I just, one thing you mentioned, um, and I thought this might be really worth uh, mentioning as well. Another thing that I say to witches a lot now is that, um, you know, it's got more global than ever. But once upon a time, you know, I was running around little secondhand books stores trying to find something about witchcraft, you know, because there was no internet back in the early 80s when I started looking into all this. Um, but now there's internet, now we're communicating globally all at the same time. However, books are written in different hemispheres. So when I was, a, a, you know, a fledgling witch, a baby witch, a young witch all those years ago, all the books I was finding were written in the Northern Hemisphere. And a lot of stuff that we do is directional. You know, when you say go outside. yeah. If you're wondering, you know, what, what Sabbath, what holy day should I be celebrating, I'm confused because I've got this book in front of me that says May 1st is Beltane, May Day, Spring Day. I'm supposed to be celebrating the coming of the heat. But I'm in Australia and it's going into winter. It's getting dark and cold. I don't understand this correlation. So one of the first things I had to do in my very first books 20 years ago and even now in my recent books is write how you flip it. Because if you're wondering what holy day to celebrate or what the moon's doing so you can do a ritual, whether it's full waxing or waning or whatever, go outside and take a look. I yeah. can always tell. And pretty much with the eight holy days we have the Sabbaths, you just flip them. You know, it's not that hard. Yeah. So May 1st is Beltane in your neck of the woods over there. And where I am right now, it's actually Samhain. It's October 31st. It's our new year. But it's, it's that time of the year. We're going into winter. So May 1 is equivalent to October 31st in the north. And so we celebrate Samhain, May 1st. And we celebrate yeah, and you do every, it's, everything is backwards. I, I, I'm always talking that, too. We just recently did a ritual. And we had people in Australia and people here. And in calling the corners and doing everything, we did it both. It was just, ah, it was magical. But, you know, you could tell by the way the water runs down the drain. And which way you're going, clockwise, counterclockwise. Yeah. And I always say, unless you're below the equator. <laughs> unless you're below the equator. So uh, I love start. that you can address that and do it communally like that because it's so true. And even when we stand, like when I stand down here and I go to cast circle, guess what direction I cast it in? Anti-clockwise. Because yeah. when the sun rises in the east, it appears to veer north before going to the west, which it's the opposite in the north, northern hemisphere. So in this, if clocks had been invented in the southern hemisphere, the hand would actually wind in the opposite direction. Because it's really yeah, the clock traces the path that the sun appears to make, you know. So that's that's why the hands wind that way. So if, if clocks had been invented in the southern hemisphere, the sun appears to go this way. That's because fascinating. I mean, I, I Never thought about opposite. I don't know because I'm doing it uh, reverse with you. And I know this is reverse. Yeah. So just just know that the sun veers when you're below the equator. The sun appears to veer north as it moves from east to west. And so it describes an anti-clockwise arc. Yeah. So I, I cast circle, Jessel, Diosel, however you want to, want to spell it, say the name, D-E-O-S-I-L. I cast it in an anti-clockwise direction when I'm in the south. And when I yeah. want to go with the shins or backwards, I go clockwise. 
but obviously in the northern hemisphere it's the other way around but you know what right. we're talking about tea magic foundational practice and newcomers to the craft and i reckon and you'll probably agree with me patty that all magic that's on some level is cast between the worlds and i would yeah. feel very sad if if a young witch or a newcomer to the craft or even someone who's been on the path for a while is now second guessing themselves and going, oh i don't know what to do i think most importantly just do something express the magic yeah. within don't worry too much when you create a sacred space it's already happening between the worlds and we know there's no up down in or out north or south between the worlds where we're, we're all in a vibrational state at that point and just the best the best advice is just to do and you know hey you and me we've been doing this for a while in linear years i'm i've been like a, a consciously practicing witch now for nearly 40 years so i came out of the group at 30 years ago so you know we kind of can talk about it like this and not get too overwhelmed. But for newcomers, I think keep it simple. Trust your gut. Trust your heart. Um, go outside. Do what, do what feels um, creative and fun. And the universe love, and nature loves to be adored by us. So sometimes even here's, here's an idea. How can you get your spells to work 100% of the time? I've learned that it's by not doing too many spells and instead doing more rituals of gratitude for what you have and then the universe naturally brings you more of that kind of stuff um but if you want your spells to work 100 percent of the time make some make them in service of someone or or do some kind of offering or help so if you're going to cast a spell clean up a park if you're going to um cast a spell help that old old person with the shopping you know and help yeah. carry them see a way that you can balance out if you're asking the universe to bring you things well what can you give your power your magic as a witch actually i've i've learned over all these years is really much more defined by how powerful am I not how empowered am I to give my magic can be defined by what have I given how have I helped much more so than what have I gotten out of it yeah you know or what have I what am I enjoying right now and mm -hmm. I think if you can flip your thinking on it then your life gets super magical really cool amazing stuff happens that you couldn't even I couldn't have told you a year ago I'd be sitting here in a in studio with music and a man in my life and this and that i mean it was around this time last year that he and i saw each other for the first time in 30 years how magical is that all mm, i was doing is, was trying to be useful in the world yeah, it, and the universe it, saw where i could be more useful and place me there yeah it's when you're getting in tune with nature with the everything and, and so it, it just starts happening me too the things that i have created or through spirit are better than i could have went okay i want to create this i want to create that it's like and and then it goes there but i also like what you in your book you you talk because people do new people are like oh what if i face the wrong direction or what if i have the wrong color no, it's intent and you say, it doesn't matter Tr learn to trust your intuition your gut because we've gotten so away from that in our non-mystical world so it, it's your intent it doesn't matter if you go the wrong direction you know you're gonna you'll get there so and i love how you really do uh, stress that in your in your teen book again to make people go oh, okay i can do this <sighs> you know in um i i love that that message is is really potent because yes it is it's like you give yourself permission to practice the craft and i think that was one of the biggest struggles when i was younger in linear years and kind of keeping it quiet and thinking well how do i know i'm a real witch am i just is this imaginary or am i like am i making this up or am i trying to be cool or how do i know that i'm a real witch and i had to give myself permission to just own it and then be it 
And that was a process that took a long time. Um, and I feel very grateful now. I keep using that G word, grateful. It's it's the it's best a good word. word. I can use. So it's it's this sense of just feeling at peace um, in and and held in a space where I can trust all the lessons, all the journeys, all the times there was a yes, or even more so, all the times there was a no, all the insecurity, all the fear, all the doubt, because ultimately that can be transformed into love. And love is the answer. It's the cure for everything. Everything. It really is. And love takes so many forms. And I think it's it's such a, number one, we talk about self-love and the age of self-love and self-care. And, and that's a really beautiful big part of the shift, I think, in consciousness is can't take care of the rest of the world until I've healed myself. And then that doesn't become an egoic statement because you're doing it so that you can be more useful in the world. And I think it's one of the loveliest um aspects of now where I'm at on my personal path is is having the, the perspective to say, you know, I'm at peace. I am a witch. I'm also a commercial pilot, a fire dancer, a free diver, a writer, a rock star. Blah, blah, blah. But, but the thing that ties it all together is witch. And that allows me to live a magical life without a sense of doubting my choices. I can own my choices. I can make mistakes. I can learn from them. And I hope that that's a really potent message that comes through for people and when I wrote my manifesto the art of which I, I held it up earlier but I'll, I'll give you another pull it up again it's velvet my publishers put a velvet cover on it it's so tactile and beautiful and and I think you know on the back of it it's be thyself be fearless be proud and that was kind of something that came through in the manifesto was I hope that this book can be useful for people after 30 years there's no spells in this book or anything like that it's a it's a collection of principles and thoughts of how to um how to walk the path and be yourself and be rich and and then be useful and of service because that's the core we, we were always the healers the midwives the wise people you know so yeah so again you know to just get to contemplate all this and share it in the written word and the musical form is um it's just uh yeah i feel Funny, because, you know, something, I, I think often the most magical things in life come with a sacrifice. I, I don't know if you'd probably agree, Patty, because oh, oh, completely. We, do, we have to make sacrifices. And, and in the days of old, of like, uh, you know, when it was more, <laughs> when you when you hear the crazy stuff, like, oh, do you sacrifice babies or something? You're like, oh, my gosh, no. <laughs> but the concept of a sacrifice is something I've learned in life that when your cup has so much stuff in it, the universe is going to say, okay, what are you going to let go of so I can put something else in it? However, what I've learned is the biggest thing you let go of, and it's usually the thing that you think defines your reality, that it's, oh, not that. If I let go of that, I don't know who I'll be. I won't be anything anymore or whatever. But when you can define that that one massive thing that is your sacrifice and give it up in service, okay, I'm going to release this and allow myself to be filled with what can make me useful then life really gets extraordinary. And I'll share with you that my sacrifice was alcohol all those years ago in, in that year, the year that that relationship ended in 2011. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm just in, in Los Angeles and I'm like, how do I how do I move forward with my life? I just want to die. I, I, I'm an alcoholic in recovery. I've been sober nine years this year and it's in a program. And it's that became for me the sacrifice. And I learned through everything I learned in the program on a day-by-day, -day, you know, day-to-time basis, mm -hmm. that it has allowed me to be uh, 
you know, a, a, the witch that I'm meant to be. And I don't say everyone's got to be sober to be a powerful witch. No way. For me personally, however, that was my sacrifice because in giving that up, and I did it ritualistically, it was not only, you know, entering the program and, and being in the program a day at a time all these years and continuing, I hope, for the rest of my living life. I um, I realised that that was what the universe wanted me to give up. And I honestly thought yeah. that defines my whole existence, you know, my five o'clock cocktails with my girlfriends, my my this and my that. And it, but it, no, it had become a destructive force and it became an illness that became, took over. So I talk right. about that in my books a bit too. And in, in my autobiography, The Naked Witch, that I wrote in 2017, I, I hope that sharing my life's journey, you know, has been is useful for people. And I've, um, for those reasons too, you know, for people who are struggling, we talk about difficulties in life. And, um, you know, and I think that, uh, again, that, you know, if an individual was watching and thought, okay, I want to be more magical, what's something I could give up? Now, here's an example. You might be addicted to buying magazines or reality TV or something. Well, then you try and find that one thing that maybe you would give up in 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 deliberate intentional ways to allow yourself to be more magical and i think that's another core part of our craft that's really interesting because we all gave up our freedom last year didn't we we all mm -hmm. went in the lockdown yep we did we did we certainly did massive, massive giving up of something so those who understood it as an opportunity to transform and use that time to let their light shine brighter have been able to navigate all of this in a way that is um allowing still live a good life even in these difficult times right because if you're giving up being a victim i've given up lots and what i the same thing my i had health issues and all sorts of stuff that i okay i, I know how this is serving me but i don't need it to do that and it, it it's stepping into your power and that's exactly what you did so um yeah it's a magical life and i, I always say easy is too highly overrated <laughs> You know, certain things you want easy, certain things you want smooth, but it doesn't have to be life all the time because the good stuff is all the, the hard stuff. It's all the stuff outside of the comfort level. It's all the stuff outside of the box. So jump out of the box. <laughs> anyway, um, I could talk for days and days. Can, can Will you come back again soon? Because I, I have 48 questions I haven't asked you yet. <laughs> Oh, Patty, thank you. I'd love to come back. And I really appreciate you. I know it's the first time we've we've chatted, but I love that you kind of let me, you know, just kind of go on a roll with this because I find it um, such a privilege and an honour to spend time not only just with you because you're amazing and I've always, you know, just really looked up to you and all the things that you do, especially as I, I, you know, going into flying, I stepped away from what was happening in Hollywood and entertainment and, and also general magical group work stuff I but as I've been revisiting all the amazing things you've been doing these this last five six seven years it's just amazing so I would be so grateful to come back and chat with you again and I really appreciate just the opportunity to have a good old good old chin wag as we say <laughs> I don't like I, lo I love to, I've never said it before now I want a chin wag yes so okay so before we go tell all my people who are now going to be in love with you as I am and intrigued with you where do people find you well, the easiest way to find me is to go to my website, FionaHorn.com. Um, I actually do that myself. I can add web designer to my hat, but I put everything up there that's going on. So there's everything about Sea Witch. There's everything about my old band, FFX, even Spiff and Fifi, my little country duo thing that's going on with my partner, The Love Story, um, events coming up, things going on. So FionaHorn.com. 
I'm on Facebook and Instagram. The links are through my website. You just click on the icon and go there. Um, and I think that's probably the easiest way. And my books um, are all available in good bookstores and online if you're in a place where it's not easy to move around right now. Um, you can easily order them. Um, but, yeah, that's that's it, FionaHorn.com. Thank you so much. And really, everybody, get her books. I, I, I don't recommend a lot of books, but I do yours. And I do work with a lot of kids. Well, I keep going to the kid thing. I work a lot with Awesomeness TV, which are high school age kids, and the magic that they have. I mean, I never had kids. And it's like, oh, oh, yeah. They, they, you hear all the things the parents said, like, oh, they are our future and all this. But so, so thank you for what you're bringing to our youth. So everybody, Fiona Horn, FionaHorn.com. So thank you for joining us at the Witching Hour. Come back next week. Remember, there's magic everywhere. You just got to look sometimes. <laughs>